0: with Conair Air Girl Bomb, available at conairgirlbomb.com or a retailer near you.
1: Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: In a world where fossil fuel companies are terrified of school children. It, yeah. Where world leaders are ignoring climate science. Bing bing bong, bong. And nature is recreating doomsday movie plots. What will happen next, it's up to you. Listen to the Outrage and Optimism podcast.
0: Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: Hello, from Wonder Media Network, I'm Jenny Kaplan, and this is Womanica. This month, we're highlighting ragers, women who use their anger, often righteous, though not always, to accomplish extraordinary things. Today we're talking about a woman who turned her despair into a vengeful nautical rampage against French nobility. Let's talk about Jeanne de Clisson. Jeanne de Clisson was born into a noble family in western France in 1300. Her childhood was short-lived. By the age of 12, she was married to a nobleman named Geoffrey de Chateaubriand VIII. They had two children together before Geoffrey passed away. Jeanne was widowed with two kids by 1326. She married the brother of the Duke of Brittany in 1328, but her new husband's family didn't approve. The Pope annulled the marriage two years later. Jeanne's first two marriages were most likely out of tradition or circumstance, but her third marriage was one of love. In 1330, Jeanne married Olivier IV de Clisson. Olivier was a wealthy nobleman, also from Brittany. He owned various territories throughout France. That land, added to what Jeanne had inherited from her first marriage, made them senior nobles in Brittany. And together, they had five children. Jeanne knew how husbands could come and go. So, she did all she could to protect herself and her children. Jeanne took Olivier to court to ensure that their marriage contract would be upheld. This was not uncommon for medieval noblewomen. They knew their rights and were not afraid to exercise them. The court ruled in Jeanne's favor. Even with the marriage contract all squared away, Jeanne would not know peace for long. Part of that was because of where she lived, Brittany. Brittany had long been a place of contention. Was it independent? Was it English? Was it French? In 1341, it all came to a head. The Duke of Brittany died and left no heirs. The uncertainty with regards to who would ascend power kicked off a conflict known as the War of the Breton Succession, which would become an early part of the Hundred Years' War. Two men were vying for power. On one side, there was Charles de Blois, supported by the French King Philip VI. On the other, John de Montfort, supported by the English. They were both tangentially related to the late Duke. Where did Jeanne and Olivier fit into all of this? Well, Olivier had an allegiance to Charles, and so he joined the war to fight with the French forces. In 1342, English soldiers attacked Vaughan, the town where Olivier was in charge. The English captured him and other French commanders during their siege. Olivier was released in a one-for-one exchange with an English statesman. On January 19, 1343, England and France signed the Truce of Malitois. A grand tournament was held to celebrate the end of the fighting. But Olivier didn't make it to the festivities. By that point, Charles de Blois had let King Philip VI know that he could not trust Olivier and other Breton nobles. It's not totally clear what his motives were. Some claim that Charles wanted control over Olivier's land while others suggest that Olivier and the other noblemen were accused of having conspired with the English in the capture of Vaughan. Either way, Olivier was charged with treason and was sentenced to death by King Philip VI. When Jeanne found out about all this, she was furious. She did everything in her power to clear her husband's name. In one account, Jeanne bribed a French sergeant to delay Olivier's execution. That didn't do much to help. Jeanne was summoned to court for rebelling against the king. But she ignored the order. In August of 1343, Olivier was executed. The French placed his head on a spike in the capital of Brittany and left it for the public to see what happens to traitors. Jeanne's rage went from red to white hot. She turned her pain into purpose and vowed to avenge her husband's wrongful death. King Philip VI and the French aristocracy would not know peace as long as Jeanne was around. Jeanne sold all of her possessions to raise money for a small army. She was able to assemble a team of about 400 men. They started on land by raiding and ravaging a few French territories. Jeanne and her army developed a pattern of ransacking enemy property, taking any valuables and killing everyone except one or two people. The survivors went on to share the news of what they'd just witnessed. This was Jeanne's strategy for instilling fear across the country. The French would not go quietly. King Philip deployed forces to counter Jeanne's attacks. Instead of retreating, Jeanne turned to the English for help. She knew if anyone would be eager to take down the French, it would be them. King Edward III helped her acquire three warships, Jeanne had the ships painted black with red sails. Collectively, the ships were known as the Black Fleet, and her flagship was named My Revenge. Jeanne was officially a pirate. Jeanne and her lean and mean army wreaked havoc on the open seas. They started in the Bay of Biscay, capturing French shipping vessels. She then moved on to sailing the English Channel, hunting down French commerce ships. Just like their land strategy, Jeanne and her army killed all crew members except for a couple who would relay the terror to King Philip. Legend has it that if there were any French aristocrats present, Jeanne would personally behead them. This is how she became known as the Lioness of Brittany. Jeanne's bloodthirsty reign of terror lasted for 13 years. She was determined to destroy any French ships owned by the French king and any noblemen. She was so influential in weakening the French state that she was named an English ally in 1347. Jeanne even married a commander in King Edward's army in 1356. They enjoyed a short but happy marriage where they lived at the castle of Ennebon in Brittany under English protection. Jeanne de Clisson died in 1359. All month, we're talking about Ragers. For more information, check us out on Facebook and Instagram at Womanica Podcast. Special thanks to Liz Kaplan, my favorite sister and co creator. Talk to you tomorrow.
1: Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz.
2: Where world leaders are ignoring climate science. Bing, bing, bong, bong. And nature is recreating doomsday movie plots. What will happen next, it's up to you. Listen to the Outrage and Optimism podcast.